Today on the news and why it matters, Bolton is out. Tulsi Gabbard speaks out and the NRA hits back at San Francisco. Got a lot coming up. You don't want to miss it. It starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, joined by the one and only Mr. Glenn Beck. I feel like I, a, an honor that oh, you're actually here up. for several days in I a know, row. It's been a while that I've been here for a while. <laughs> like three, no, yeah. two days, yeah. two whole days. Yeah. Uh, and then we have uh, on on your maiden voyage on the show, we've got uh, Pete A. Turner. That's right. Host of the Break It Down show. Thank yeah, you. my honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And we also have Cliff Maloney, president of Young Americans for Liberty. Glad to be here. Thank you for being here. And I would just like to say, I said this off air, but can you please tell all of the other groups to just come up with something other than Young Americans for, while we appreciate their, uh, you know, their involvement, it gets very confusing. Yeah. Liberty is what it's all about. So <laughs> there you go. Firm with that. There you go. <laughs> uh, we got a lot to get into, but first we want to thank our sponsor, American Financing. So American Financing is a company that I started dealing with uh, about 2008, right after the crash. They called, they wanted me to endorse them, and I'm like, no, I don't believe in mortgage companies right now you're all crazy uh, and they said no, no no that's why we want we listen to you we know what you're saying is true it's coming I said well call me after the crash after you tell me how you've weathered and how all of your customers have weathered uh, they called me right after the crash they weathered fine they didn't have a problem because they don't work for the banks they're not trying to jam you into something um, and a lot of times they just they turn people down because like Stu was turned down because he Stu is weird. He's got the, he is always looking for an angle, and they're like, uh, no, and if you can get a bank to do that, go ahead. Um, this is people, uh, these are people that will help you if you're a responsible American and you're looking for the right loan that could save you thousands of dollars. If you're looking to refinance, uh, you're looking to um, uh, consolidate or to buy your next house, it is American Financing at AmericanFinancing.net. Uh, so... Let's see. Bolton, John Bolton, has stepped down as national security advisor. So um, there have uh, there has already been some conflict, right? Trump said, I told him he has to resign. Uh, Bolton says, no, I offered to resign. But regardless, the news comes right after uh, news of a planned but now canceled meeting at Camp David between the White House and the Taliban to discuss a peace deal in Afghanistan. Glenn, your thoughts? I like... John Bolton. I know John Bolton. I think he is, I mean, he's a guy who, who is absolutely the kind of guy who's like, yo, I mean, why don't we nuke it? Um, he's, a, he's a little st strong for um, uh, my taste at this point. I think we've had enough war and uh, trying to uh, insert ourselves all over the world. Um, I think it was in really poor taste uh, that we would uh, host the Taliban at Camp David, you know, the week of September 11th. I think that not shows, the optics you want. Not the optics you want, but I don't think anybody really cares, and everybody knows that the Taliban is, you know, he was saying, you can't do a deal with the Taliban. They're not trusted. No kidding. We know that. What is your, what is, what is your other option? We stay there forever. We, we mismanaged this from the beginning by not stating the win. Here's what we're doing. Instead, we said we're going to we're going to transform them into a free, loving democracy just like us. You cannot give that to people. They have to earn that themselves, um, and they don't want it. So, what are we doing there anymore? I think it's um, I think it's good that we're getting out. 
Well, and I'd say, I mean, you've had this problem where Trump has run on this campaign of America first, you know, a foreign policy that is, let's take care of our country. You know, we've been policing the world. We've been nation building. We've got troops in over 120 countries. And I think Bolton, from the, from the minute he stepped in, I think a lot of people were surprised, especially hardcore conserva- you know, conservatives, libertarians that were thinking maybe this would be the time that we'd scale back. And like mm-hmm. you said, have we had enough war? Um, so the squabbling and the Twitter firing and who's, you know, I'm not really interested in that. Mm-hmm. But I do think this is a pretty good moment for Trump to be able to step up and kind of be that America first. Hey, let's focus on our men and women. And one thing you said that I love, we need a mission. You know, I mean, let's declare victory. Let's figure out what is the mission in the Middle East. Let's set it. Let's declare victory. And then, hey, maybe bring the troops home. And we're not There's hearing no, that. We, the, the, I really liked what, what uh, Trump said recently on Afghanistan. It was maybe last week at some point. He said, we're done with nation building. We're not nation building. We will not do that, um, you know, as long as I'm president. Um, I liked having John Bolton there because I like... Having some, having the president have somebody who is really strong on, no, mm-hmm. wipe them out. And I like the balance of Trump who says, no, let's not get involved. I liked having those two going head to head with the guy who is in charge being the guy who says, well, no, let's, let's pause. I think he has shown tremendous restraint. They keep trying to make Trump into a warmonger. He is the furthest thing from it. Yeah, Pete, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, look, as the, as the person at the table that's got the most combat tours, I will tell you this. Eight, nine years ago, I was talking to a, tal- uh, sorry, a farmer in Taliban country, and he said to me, you guys are going to negotiate with the Taliban. They're going to be part of the government. So you're telling me to reject them is never going to be reality. This is a person that lives mm-hmm. in this space saying, this is never going to be. You guys are going to negotiate with them. So here we are negotiating with them. And, and this... Understand that this failed meeting is, is a negotiation, but who has all the cards? You know, the Taliban are going to continue to be involved. They're going to continue to be part of the so re- I revolution. On, I heard this on NPR, and I'd love your perspective on it. I'm listening to it, and they were making us look like giant losers and saying, Trump is just giving away the house, and, you know, we're, they got all the cards. Of course they have all the cards. Yeah. Of course they have all the cards, because we mismanaged it from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. What is it that we're going for now? Pride? Well, I would say from the ground truth perspective, which is where I deal with as a, as a ground force guy, we never prepared for the fight or for the nation-building mission. We just really didn't. We'll tell you that we did, but... I've talked to any number of special operators, and, and I'm sort of their kin, and they'll all say, we've had more conversations than fired bullets in combat, and where did you put most of your training? On firing bullets. Mm-hmm. So if we weren't trained to have the conversations that we need to have, or like the translator operations, to understand how to use a translator at the professional level, that doesn't exist in, in the, the DOD. It just doesn't. So That's not what it's for. That's State Department. Right. You guys are to go in and kill people faster than they can kill us. Right. And yet, there we are. Victory, then come home. Go home. There right. we are carrying paint buckets. Right, that's not inoculating right. Inoculating sheep. So if we're going to do that, we have to do more of it and better of it. We're not going to do that. So, you know, it's, it's a fail-slow method instead of a fail-fast method. Like you said, that there wasn't a very good end state that was declared. And so, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. They come to town and they're going to negotiate and, and look... We're bound to them. They are the end game partner. 
There's just no way around it. And the one question I feel like we never ask is, do they want us there? Now, I know that there are strategic interests and people want to talk about this. And I'm not talking about the country heads. I'm talking about the citizens, mm -hmm. right? In a lot of these countries. And when you've been there for 18 years, you know, that question, I think, at a certain point, it's not just about whether there's a mission or not. It's do the people that we're there saying that we're trying the nation build for, you know, do they want us there? And if we get to the point where it's, it's a clear no, that's where I feel like, should we be policing the streets? Should we be rebuilding bridges that we've, you know, blown up over the years? Or do we finally just say, look, they're going to paint us as being weak. They're going to paint us as we pulled out and we gave up. But what, what, when's the end game on that? Do we go another 10 years? What another the, decade? When, when did we lose this idea of the military and what the military is supposed to do? The military is a tool that the president has a whole toolbox and he can take that tool out and say, destroy them, kill them, destroy them. Then take that tool and put it back in and then say to the State Department or whoever else, go help them. Go do this. Let's talk to them. The military is for strike. There's also a problem with the State Department, though, Glenn, because, and I'm going to be un unfairly critical of those guys, but I've seen them do it in the field. <laughs> you can't roll your eyes at an Afghan elder and tell him he's the boss. You know, so, so we have no ability to, a commander is supposed to impose his will and you go to Afghanistan and you're trying to create the capacity of a governor. They can't do that if they're not, the biggest thing I learned in all my time was there's only room for one sword in the scabbard. If mm -hmm. that sword is not the Afghan leader, then we should go home mm -hmm. because it's not a will imposition kind of fight. Mm -hmm. So State Department can't, won't do that. They're too are too arrogant to do it. You can't roll your eyes at an Afghan elder than tell him he's the boss. It doesn't mm -hmm. work. But I think that's why we need a different foreign policy. I mean, the Constitution, mm -hmm. I don't want to take us back, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years, but I think I there was a point. <laughs> I think there was a point for saying, look, we need to declare war because I think we understood if yes. you spread yourself too thin, you're going to have problems. Declare the war, set the mission, go in, bomb the hell out of them, win, come home. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you get in the weeds and we're talking about tactical shifts, I mean, all that to me is a lot of noise. We've been there 18 years. The only, you know, I, I actually talked to the, uh, the maker of, the, the inventor of the neutron bomb once. It was, this is like 25 years ago. And he was pissed that we never used the neutron bomb. And when, and when he described it, I'm like, I'm pretty glad we haven't used the <laughs> neutron bomb. It's hor horrific. But so is the fuel air bomb. Fuel air bomb sprays fuel out. It ignites. It actually sucks the oxygen out of the lungs of the other fighters. Okay? And then rains fire down on you. Good. If we are going to war, it is only moral to do it as fast as you can. You, and they will respect a, a, a government and a country that just says... Look, you want to get into war? We're not going to fight this half-assed. We're going to take your breath away so because we are going to be so uh, overwhelming that you will not ever want to screw with us ever again. And then we're going home. And we're going to stop it fast because you're going to be so freaked out. Your army is going to be crapping their pants. And they're going to want to put their guns down. And that will save lives. Why this whole idea of war being something that is strategic, something that we can then massage, something that's not killing people fast, that's the point of war. Mm -hmm. Is it not? 
Modern combat doesn't follow that model. It just doesn't. And I don't know what the answer is, but I do know that you have to be good socially, politically, culturally, by, with, and through religion, and of course, militarily. So if the enemy won't mass in front of you, you can't kill them like that. So I would be in a valley for, for weeks, months on end, and you can't make a dead Taliban guy show up. It just, they won't take that fight. They, they move back, but they have all the influence in the world. They win the fight of affect over our effect model. So I agree, when you wanna fight militarily and they'll oblige, absolutely, you know, hit them hard, but that's not the modern fight. But wouldn't that have been the modern fight if we would have, if we would have gone in and, and strategically said, this is our goal. This group of people is our goal. But our tactics don't follow our strategy, or our strategy isn't linked to tactics. And Agreed. below and below tactics is the ground truth, where the actual work is. And we're really bad at that. The, the biggest thing that I ever brought to generals was the ground truth. Not, not what they wanted to hear, but what actually happened. I was able to enter the Afghan or the Iraqi reality and deliver that to the military in a way that made sense to them. And that allowed the 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 military and the government to work in a way that was more collaborative. Not that it worked. You know, that stuff is exceptionally hard and delicate, but modern combat is exceptionally deliberate, slow work built on a whole bunch of failure that you slowly winnow out the failure until you have models that work. Let me ask you this, and, and I, I hope you know, I mean, I appreciate your service. No, no, please. Air Force. What do you say to somebody right now if they're being sent to Afghanistan, and I mean this, you know, obviously to fight for the country, but what do you think is the rationale you give them? Like, what is the mission, and what do you tell them they're fighting for? I mean, outside of the, you know, hey, you're fighting for the Constitution, you're fighting for the country. Like, is there something that you can tell them that is like, this is the mission, this is why we're going in? But I think that's a fair question, right? What is the mission? And, and I, we've had mission creep like crazy. I've sat in, in meetings where we were planning like the assessment of, of the Afghan government. And I would raise my hand because I know I've seen this over and over again. And I would say, where are the Afghans? There's none in this room. We're going to assess mm -hmm. the government and the performance. Like, well, this is meetings classified. It's their government. Mm -hmm. How can it be so classified? They can't be present for this. And then the conversation is, and this is absolutely 100% true, um, we're assessing hospitals. And in this district, in this county, there is no hospital, which means the Taliban runs the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the colonel says, well, how are we going to advance to the next mile marker, the next tranche, as they call it, uh, if there's no hospital here? And then the other colonel leans over and says, sir, we, we've lowered the bar in this area. Well, if you're going to lower the bar, then you can't accomplish the strategic ends because there is no tactical win there. The people are completely separated from the national government. They don't elect people the way we do. We don't account for religion. All of these things create problems. So that person that's going to go, I would say read more books and but try to do less damage. That's, that's why we shouldn't be involved. That's a fair point. We shouldn't be involved. How much, difference, how much different would we be in today's America had we said, these are the people who did it, we're going to teach them a lesson. Taliban, we're going to destroy you. Next Taliban might come up. Don't screw with us. And we would have gone in and hammered them and come back within a year. And not nation build or anything else, just hammer the people responsible. How much different would we be? Yeah, and I think you, you, know, you, talk, about, you talk about generals and these different folks you know, working with hospitals. Back to what you said. They've been trained to go in, kill complete the mission and come home. Not figure out, you know, the, the hospitals and some of the strategy on the ground. I mean, we gotta get back to a point where it's like, at what point are we not 
negotiating with local folks and trying to figure out strategy, are they doing what they were trained to do? Go in, complete the mission, and come home. All great points. Back in a minute. So how different would it be? Would it would have been better? The Taliban wouldn't fight. I, I could tell you all kinds of stories about it. Before we get back into the conversation, we want to thank our sponsor, Cruise Through History. Yeah, um, we're going on a cruise. I was just talking to Dennis Prager. He does these. He's done, I think, 25. He limits them to 200 people. Oh. I was like, oh, wow. We have the entire cruise ship of 3,000 people. It's, I mean, look at the size of this cruise ship. Everyone on there is, is a fan and going to be coming. Um, we have the museum has just been set up. We're bringing all kinds of really cool artifacts where we will show you the connection between, you know, what, what we learned from Venice, what we learned from Athens, and what we learned from the Holy Land, and what we took that built this nation. And I'll be there. Uh, Bill O'Reilly will be there. David Barton will be there. Um, we have a lot of people coming. There's only a few cabins left, so grab yours now. You can go to uh, comesailaway.com to learn more. Like Len said, it's it's just about sold out, so you're going to want to go there pretty quick. Comesailaway.com. Uh, so Tulsi Gabbard, who the DNC has made sure didn't qualify for the uh, next round of debates. She was recently on the Rubin Report, uh, our friend Dave Rubin, who, in case you haven't heard, is joining Blaze TV. And she had some interesting, thank you. thank you, she had some interesting things to say about the Democrat Party. Now, these were her comments in reference to the Democrats speaking Espanol at the debates, watch. The identity politics that are being used, again, to further divide us, to further drive separations between us, and purely for selfish political gain um, is a real danger. It, 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 I agree with you. It undermines that unity uh, that we have that doesn't come with groupthink or saying, well, hey, we're all exactly the same. We think the same way. Not at all. Yeah. It's that unity that we have in recognizing our diversity uh, and our strength and who we are as Americans and the principles uh, and, and freedoms that make up the bedrock of our country. She's remarkable. I mean, I don't agree with her politically on almost anything. But you wish you did, right? I do. Because I want to vote for someone like that. She doesn't hate America. Mm -hmm. She has served her nation. She calls the shots. You know, it doesn't matter if it's Obama or Trump. She's not playing the game. She's the first Hindu American to actually hold office in Congress. Um, I don't sense any hatred from her. That's why she has zero chance of winning the nomination for the Democrats, because she's too normal. And yet she's not. She's a radical in her own way, but she doesn't hate us. The Democrats are just delusional. They're running all of the people like her out who 10 years ago, we all would have said, look at that, you're not a chance today. She looks like John F. Kennedy. Yeah, and she doesn't fit the script. I mean, that's one of the problems. When you step off and, and you go off script, You're I mean, she's, she's not getting in line with the identity politics. You know, I mean, her talking on the Rubin Report and saying, listen, like, this isn't good for the country to give people rights and put them in groups and talk to people as if, hey, you have these privileges or you have these rights because of a, the color of your skin or, you know, how you identify mm-hmm. or any of these things they're using. She also doesn't fit the script on foreign policy. Mm. You talk about her calling people out. She was a Democrat that not only you know, called out the 
Clinton campaign when she was involved with the DNC, mm -hmm. but called out Obama for being a warmonger mm -hmm. when he ran as this peace candidate. Mm -hmm. I mean, so to have that type of rational thought, we're going to disagree with her on economics, we're going to disagree with her on the role of government when it comes to getting involved with fiscal issues. But she just is a rational human being. The Democrats are not going to let that happen. They're not going to let somebody come to the table who is not on script, directly in line, and now look at what the DNC is doing. They're not letting her get into the debate. She's one of the most popular candidates. And I contend that, uh, and I could be wrong, but I contend that there is a whole group of Republicans and a whole group of Democrats and a whole group of independents that is the majority that would just like somebody rational. You know, just can we stop with all the theatrics, with all the hatred, with all of this and and stop with the tweeting. Stop. Just I, I want to be left alone by our government. Just have somebody rational. And that's a wide open field that the Democrats could take. And they have abandoned it and burned it down. Pete, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And I'm, I'm, it's just it's look again as the as the ground truth guy. Right. I've seen what happens in tribes, a.k.a. gangs. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets their stuff sooner, soon enough, fast enough, enough enough. And so it does divide. Um, look, we have a wonderful country where we self-select into the most diverse country I, I can think of. I mean, self-select. It's not you were born there and you have this tribe, that tribe. We move here for that There's reason. There's never been anything more diverse than the United States of America. And diversity and unity are antonyms. They don't work together. We have this magic ability to kind of create unity. But identity politics has, as far as I understand it, is as a diversifying diversity thing where it's never going to be enough. You're never going to be first. And, and most of us are going to be angry at most of us most of the time. But isn't that because we used to be able, when I was growing up, we talked about a melting pot. It's, it's, our, it's, it's our national motto, e pluribus unum, from many, one. The one comes from, look, I respect you, and you're going to be different. You're going to have your own traditions, your own religion, and everything else. But we agree on these rights belong to us as individuals, and the government is instituted among men to protect those rights. That's where we had our agreement. We no longer agree on those rights. I don't know, uh, who was it, Conyers or one of them said just the other day, he didn't think the Bill of Rights could pass. I agree. Mm -hmm. I don't think it could. We've lost the thing that brought us together, and we're only focusing on diversity. Yeah. All right. Back in a minute. Speaking of uh, presidential candidates and how you have to be angry, right? You have to be angry to be a presidential candidate in the Democrat Party, and you have to want to fight. Uh, Bernie Sanders, a funny clip of him that surfaced yesterday, he got really mad that people were laughing at his joke. Watch. We will have a cabinet uh, that looks like America, and an administration that looks like America. Now, I can guarantee you, that there will be one old white guy there. But, <laughs> there, hold it, please, please, you know. But it will be a cabinet that people look at it, they say, you know what, this looks like what America... Please, is, please. He is Larry David. <laughs> I mean, he is just a cartoon character. He's so great. He, what, so, Pete, what are your thoughts on the, uh, just where all of the Democrats stand right now? Who do you who do you think is going to end up with the nomination? I just, I think about John F. Kennedy talking about the character of the person, you know, great. What are your politics, your age, your gender, your color? I don't care. 
just are you a good person? Will you outwork the problems in front of you? Mm-hmm. Will you gather consensus? That's what I want. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think that's unreasonable. It's not a high bar. Yeah. Can you it's create all, consensus? It's how we all live. Yeah. Cl- you know? Cliff, you, we've got uh, Joe Biden, who clearly is having some trouble, and I don't say that to poke fun at him. Mm-hmm. He's there's something going on there. I know Glenn talked about, you know, his his Sent medical history. Aneurysms. Yeah, his medical history. Um, you've got Bernie Sanders, who is always angry. You've got uh, Elizabeth Warren, who is just the fakest person ever. Uh, who's going to end up with it? What do you think? We got 30 seconds. Yeah, I think that you'll see Elizabeth Warren win. I do. Mark really? my words on that. I, I do think it'll happen. I think uh, Kamala Harris is who the party is pushing for, and mm-hmm. I think that they think that she can build this coalition. She's not likable. Mm-hmm. And her record on criminal justice and some of these things that the left is supposed to champion is horrible. Yeah. So I just think you're going to see Biden hang on and hang on, but then they're going to start to coalesce. I think it's going to be Elizabeth Warren. Interesting. Yeah, Bernie, uh, weekend at Bernie's, the Bernie Bernie, and then the female Bernie. <laughs> Oh, America, what are you doing? (laughs) Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. having this uh, conversation off air about, uh, you know, the Democratic presidential candidates and we were discussing Elizabeth Warren. Um, And I mentioned, I think that she is kind of like the poor man's Hillary Clinton, um, you know, kind of tailor made for Donald Trump. And um, Cliff, you had said that you think that the swing voters are not going to like the whole fake Indian thing. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I think the the Democrats are going to vote for the Democrat nominee. But when you have swing voters, hardworking Americans, people who are really on the edge, I really think she has failed to address this issue. Mm -hmm. When you're trying to take advantage of the system, when you're trying to put yourself forward as something you're not, I'm not saying that swing voters are going to connect, you know, with that heritage. What I'm saying is they're going to connect with the fact that she tried to cheat the system. Mm-hmm. And if your message to the voters is, oh, well, you know, we need to defeat the corruption and we need to work for the little guy, well, you abuse the entire system. And if she would have came out years ago when this started to surface and she would have said, hey, I made a mistake, but it's kind of been this half-hearted apology and her going to these, these events, mm-hmm. trying to talk and, and have it out. No, you need to take this head on. And so I just think it's not really going to push voters. People are still going to vote based on the economy. And I don't think that Elizabeth Warren, you know, will will trump Trump on that. It's just it's such a bizarre thing uh, for me to wrap my head around, because you think about how no one is allowed to culturally appropriate right now. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you are not you. You better not wear a kimono to your prom. You will get canceled. I mean, you are not allowed to touch anyone else's culture. And so you've got that conversation going on at the same time that you have proof positive that Elizabeth Warren was faking being an Indian and gaining things because of it. And at that moment when that news surfaced, I was like, she's done. She's done. And now we're talking about the possibility of her being the presidential candidate of the Democrat Party. It blows my mind. And the DNC is trying to avoid the topic. I mean, look at the debates. Why wouldn't you want that to come up now so the American people can hear about it? They can, you know, think, is this somebody who wants to represent the party? And even the Democrats, like as Democrat voters, wouldn't you want to hear what her response is, have her talk about it? So I think they're burying it, and I think people care about it. It might seem like a nothing burger to the political wonks and the, the operatives, 
But to people, they kind of care about that. And I don't think they've heard the full story about how much she tried to utilize it. Mm -hmm. So I think the Democrats are making a mistake. Ask her about it, dig in, and let's air the laundry now. Yeah. Pete, do you agree? I, I don't understand what she's trying to do with this. The other thing, no matter who the candidate is, they got to run reform in front of Donald Trump. And she likes to go after corporations and banks and all that kind of thing. Those people hold the loans that people are buying their homes from. They, they have the jobs that the people are just now starting to get crawled back out from the recession. So you're going to go after the thing that, that just now, like you're getting some stability and maybe starting to get ahead a little bit. I don't understand how you run reform at, for what I just think her timing is bad. And this is a problem I find with a lot of the Democratic candidates. You can't go after Trump on the economy. You can't go after Trump on jobs. When you have the lowest unemployment rate, the lowest ever unemployment rate for black Americans, I mean, some of these things are lining up. Like, if you listen, you know, I work with college students, you listen to some of the commencement speeches from Democrats. Elizabeth Warren, Hillary Clinton, they act like the world's ending. Well, even in the Democrat debates. I mean, you heard right. Kamala, I was sitting there going, She's talking, she's saying, Americans are feeling it. American, I'm like, what are you talking about? That, Americans are not. That no. does not resonate. And so I think they're picking these issues, and you're exactly right. Like, what's she going to run on if it's the economy or jobs? Mm -hmm. she's, Tax she's revenue is up. Luxury purchase is up. You know, confidence of consumers is up. Yeah. So you have to run in the face of that. And that is reality, whoever it's going to be. And I think where she's good is she's going to go after the institutions, the financial things, and, and try to balance the scale. But like, hey, uh, none of us are comfortable with that right now. I really think it's a timing thing for her. Here is what I worry about um, also is that, you know, you did point out, and I agree with you, that you can't run on uh, America's a really tough place to live right now. We don't have jobs. No, none of that is true. But I also feel like there's a more devious narrative that they're trying to shape um, in that, you know, we do live in this privileged bubble where, you know, we are whining on Instagram because our healthcare doesn't cover marriage counseling or, you know, whatever it is that they are convincing these voters that their life really is terrible because they don't have a new Porsche or they don't have a two-story house and they deserve all of these things. Do you ever worry that, you know, Americans are going to fool themselves into thinking, gosh, she's right. I my life, my life is terrible. I really do. I deserve more. I should get more. Do you worry that they're going to they're gonna feed into that? Well, I mean, we see it with young people when it comes to the trend in socialism and kind of this idea that, hey, we should rely on government. Mm -hmm. But I think the hypocrisy comes in from the left when they're complaining about Trump and they say Trump is the devil, Trump is the worst, and then their solution is to give more power mm -hmm. to government. Let's give him our guns. Right. <laughs> Trump we is think Hitler. he's Hitler. Here you go. <laughs> right. And so to me, I think when Americans dig into to the plan and understand, okay, you're saying our lives are horrible, so what's the solution? Well, you're saying Trump's evil, but let's give more power to, to Trump and people in government. I think when you say, oh, no, but, but only when we control government, that is so hypocritical mm -hmm. that do I get worried about the rise of kind of this this comfortableness with socialism sure mm -hmm. but when you dive in on the issues and when americans still understand and look at some of the key figures and, and and the stats they're coming our way there's still that belief that the government is not the answer to all of our problems so that that, that gives me the idea that there is still hope out there wow very optimistic <laughs> i'm not i'm a little bit more pessimistic than you are on that but i hope that you're right i hope that you're right uh so the nra I'm not sure if you guys saw last week, San Francisco, the city of San Francisco decided to uh, pass a resolution 
designating the NRA as a terrorist organization. And the NRA is now firing back with a lawsuit. And the lawsuit states that the Board of Supervisors uh, of San Francisco, they are violating its free speech rights for political purposes. Pete, your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think they've got a viable lawsuit. And San Francisco, look, I'm from the Bay Area. and, and I'm sorry. I love, <laughs> no, I love it there. But San Francisco also named a waste processing plant after President Bush. So, look, this is an old <laughs> trick for them. And, 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 and to what end? I mean, what is this, what does this accomplish? There's people that are desperate for help in that city mm-hmm. that are struggling day to day. And if we're going to spend our time and our legislation, look, you have so much capacity. If you're going to spend 2% of your capacity doing that, and then now potentially, look, you're going to go to court. You're going to lose money on this. Yeah. Whether you win or lose, you've already lost. Well, there's a whole lot of folks that need real help right now immediately. And and I, I, I have to take it that politics is more important there than the actual help that they might provide someone. Yeah. This is the mistake, in my opinion, that the left's making. They continue to put labels on folks and try to vilify them. You know, so calling them a terrorist organization. Well, what makes them a terrorist organization? What makes them a terrorist? That they support the Second Amendment? You know, that they're actually out there just advocating that, hey, we should be able to defend ourselves? And my warning, I don't like to give free advice uh, to my political opponents, but my warning to a lot of these folks that believe in, in this big government liberalism is when you do that, you're hurting your arguments. Because when you just put everybody in a box, it's like, you know, what happens when somebody actually does come along that is a terrorist? Yeah. You know, what happens if there is a group that's doing horrific things? Everyone's getting numb to this. Mm-hmm. You know, we face it all the time on campus. You see a speaker comes to campus. They're racist. They're bigot. They're this. Why don't you go debate them on the ideas and on the merits? And so I applaud the NRA, and I applaud that they chose to go the free speech route because that's the truth. Yeah. And the court system, whatever you think of, of what's happening in the country, I would say the court system is our last great hope. We have so many free speech cases that we've won just because of that threat and litigation of saying, listen, you can't just do these frivolous things and not expect to have consequences. The courts, for what they're worth, they still defend free speech, and I think that's a pretty powerful thing. Yeah. Uh, so lastly, Hasbro, the game company, the board game company Hasbro, is bringing back a new and improved version of Monopoly. It is called Ms. Monopoly, and uh, it celebrates female trailblazers where women make more than men. So it's, of course, they're throwing themselves into the gender pay gap debate. And now the women version, instead of passing go and collecting $200, you will pass go because you're a woman. Uh, you will pass go and make $240. Some other changes before I uh, get your thoughts on it. Ride shares instead of railroads and Wi-Fi instead of waterworks. The gender pay gap debate. Uh, Hasbro is now throwing their hat in the ring for that. Cliff, your thoughts? I wish game night would just stay game night and not mm-hmm. get political. Um, here, here's the problem I have. I, as a male, you know, having to, to debate and well, discuss this. Hold on, is, that's what you're identifying as today. Right. You, you, like, just today. Could change tomorrow. <laughs> Come on. But what, what's bothering me is nobody wants to talk about the actual gender pay gap. Um, And what I mean by that is, you know, you have folks like Jordan Peterson, who is one of the first, I would argue, that came out and kind of said, hey, let's talk about the facts here. You know, there are tons of different variables. I think he he points to some stats of uh, 20 different variables that make up why that happens Mm -hmm. and why you're seeing the difference Mm -hmm. between men and women. I don't think any of us would say that we don't want people to get paid 
for equal output. Mm -hmm. But the problem is when you put a label on something and then you try to throw it in two boxes of, hey, dudes make this, gals make this, and they're doing the exact same work, it's just simply not true. And so I just hate to see the politicizing of things like board games, and they have the right to do it, but I just wish we'd be at a different point in society where people would say, you know, if we're gonna get into the weeds on some of these issues, let's do it in the right platform. I don't think game night is the place that we should be doing that. Um, you know, you bring up something interesting because it, it does feel like with almost all of our conversations that we're having today that are so divisive, the thing that's missing in them is context, mm. right? Like you brought up the gender pay gap uh, debate that's going on. It's like there are reasons for these numbers being different. Let's talk about context uh, or the illegal immigration debate. You know, they're, they're, all they want to say is Trump cages brown kids. Trump is racist. Okay, well, you're leaving out a lot of context there. We have laws in this country. They're, you know, they're coming over in vast numbers and we can't, we don't have the resources right now to, you know, fund providing more shelter. I mean, it's like context is completely lost in 2019. Do you agree, Pete? Well, look, you want to talk about the immigration issue. This is a congressional issue, mm -hmm. and it's been it's an old issue. We have a funnel problem. Our funnel, if desperate people are not going to care about a funnel. They're going to go around it. So if Congress won't deal with it, then, and let's understand, Congress's approval rating is much lower than the president's. So however bad he is, they're worse. So if we're going to talk about board games, whatever. Who, I used to play the Happy Days board game. I don't drag race because of it. So if they want to have a game that permits that, then God bless. Go do it. Go sell the game and, and do whatever it is that you've got to do. We've got bigger issues. And, and like you said, these are all social problems are all multivariate problems. And if you pick two variables, then you are picking things. You, you no longer control the outcome of what you want to try to do. These are complex issues. And thankfully, there are issues that are higher order than a lot of other places. Mm -hmm. If you go to Djibouti, there is no trash pickup program, let alone a plastic sorting program. Mm -hmm. So if we want, like, let's just go put our effort in where it needs to be. If we're worried about uh, a board game or we're worried about, I don't know, any other thing, like, let's make sure it's the thing that we can actually have a controllable outcome. We started the whole thing off with, with never, you know, ending wars. Yeah. Well, climate change is great. What's the goal? Mm -hmm. To not have climate change? I don't know what the goal is, so let's figure out what the goal is, and if it makes sense, then we can all get behind it, and if not, then on to the next problem. Yeah. Uh, yesterday's poll, what Democrat, which Democrat, I should say, do you want to see Trump debate in 2020? Let's see, 39% of you said Sleepy Joe, 34% of you said Pocahontas, 21% said Crazy Bernie, 6% said Kamala the Cop. It is interesting to see Kamala's very quick rise and fall. Right. She had that moment uh, after what was it, the first debate where everyone was talking about her. And man, she has fallen really quickly. Yeah, well, I think Tulsi uh, was a big reason for yes. that. I mean, in the debate where, where Tulsi and her went head to head. It was Joe's guard dog. Right. I mean, yeah, the DNC loves Kamala Harris. Uh, I don't think anybody uh, would object to that. I think they're the she's the golden child. And I think that she had this quick rise going after Joe Biden. But once Tulsi stepped in, she did what so many I think others are trying to do, which is Kamala Harris's record is pretty bad. Mm -hmm. If you're a liberal Democrat, her record is horrible mm -hmm. on criminal justice reform. And, yes. you know, it's funny. Trump championed the First Step Act, you know, gets this criminal justice, the most comprehensive criminal justice reform in the last, you know, three decades. Mm -hmm. He pushes through. And now the Democrats are trying to put up somebody who 
was like the top cop, you know, yes. a lot of problems in California. So I actually think you're seeing a response from the market from those Democrats that are saying, hold on a second, Kamala's talking right, but as Tulsi and some of the others are showing her record, it just doesn't line up. Yeah. Uh, and then today's poll, love to get your thoughts yes. on, on this. Which issue is more important for determining the future of America? So here are your options. The national debt or the immigration crisis? But it's got to be the national debt. I mean, immigration, we've not dealt with that for decades. So let's keep on not dealing with that. But let's for reals deal with the debt because it's, it, I think we all know it cannot continue to grow exponentially like it's doing. Yeah. It just can't. Well, and uh, Cliff, used to be it was the Republicans who said, hey, guys, we should probably talk about spending. Doesn't seem to be the case anymore. No, and I get in trouble. A lot of my Republican friends don't like when I do this, but the Republicans, I mean, we've passed the largest spending bills mm -hmm. in American history. I mean, Trump just signed it. Uh, so I think the problem you're going to run into is Republicans for the past, how long, decade, every single Republican has ran on fiscal conservatism, cutting the spending, yeah. cutting the deficit. But when you're getting in, you're continuing to spend. Uh, I don't think there's only a rare few right now who are actually standing up and saying, listen, our greatest threat to our national security it's probably this $22 trillion debt. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wish we had more of the, the Rand Paul types uh, who, could, who could give that message. Um, but I think it's a mistake for Republicans to move away from it. But I uh, have a funny feeling that they're going to dive in on a lot of the other issues that are more short term. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys, make sure to let us know your thoughts. Cast your vote by going to The Blaze's Twitter. That is at The Blaze. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. It was a pleasure having you. you. Had a lot of fun. We'll see you guys yeah. tomorrow. We try to have some fun on the show. On Fridays, we drink. So, oh, already missed drinking. it. Oh, yeah, you do it with Chad. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.